This is the Kibasa King Sports Extravaganza. Hey, 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 Yakshamash. Club to you too, or whatever. You don't really, I love your style. I love the way you edit things together. Well, thanks for noticing. It's a real pain. We welcome to the show Christian Leitner. Yeah, I'm proud of my heritage, and my mother used to make a lot of delicious meals, capusta, bumpy, padoe, all that good stuff. I put sour cream on everything, and um, so a lot of, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of Polish tradition there. Yak Shamash, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Kilbasa King Sports Extravaganza. It's actually our three-year anniversary. Uh, just uh, three uh, three years and uh, about three day, two days, I should say, since uh, Scotty and I took to the podcasting airwaves. Two years since we joined Bucky's Fifth Quarter and Blog Talk Radio, and we got a, quite a big show for you uh, with a bit of an agenda. We'll get to that in a second. I am Jake Kokorowski, writer, editor, Bucky's Fifth Quarter, and we got, as always, the Polish rifle Scott Wesniewski here as well. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Uh, We've got a big show, like I mentioned. We got ESPN Milwaukee Steve Haywood hoping to join us in about, I'd say, 13 minutes or so. Talk some Milwaukee Bucks. Talk about what's going on, how how the arena is good, uh, not just for Milwaukee or the Bucks, uh, but for the state of Wisconsin, uh, we'll talk about the Bucks draft, uh, and we'll, we'll talk even about some some uh, just the, the cooperation between uh, with Wisconsin, uh, UW Madison, and the Bucks. Uh, we'll talk about that deal. It was just announced earlier this week, uh, and so we have a lot of fun going on there. But uh, I'll have to say, Scotty, uh, after I'm granted, I, I apologize to everyone for, for being away for a while uh, with, with life kind of caught up with, uh, with us. But I want to say happy anniversary, brother. And, and how's everything going? It's going well. I, I, we were going through all the, the dates and anniversaries. It feels like it's been two years since we've done a show. So uh, <laughs> yeah. I guess it's good to be back. Yeah, I know. We, we, I know there are a lot of things that uh, – Obviously, we missed some things, and we'll we'll talk more, and we can always talk in a little bit about just Bo Ryan leaving. Uh, like I said, we got about ten minutes until Steve joins us, but you know, Bo Ryan announcing that he's this is going to be his final year. His swan songs coming up. Uh, you have two Wisconsin Badgers and Frank Kaminsky, Sam Decker being drafted within the first. 18, 19 picks of the first round of the NBA draft this past year. And, and obviously we missed uh, some other Badger stories, especially with their hot recruiting month of June, but that's, that's fine. I mean, obviously, uh, yeah, it's been a while, but it, it's, uh, it's good to be back. And uh, yeah, no, it's, it, it's been, uh, did you get out to Summerfest at all? Let me ask you that. Did you actually get out there at all? I didn't get a chance to for the like 20th straight year uh, being here in Madison uh, and uh, not having any babysitters to, for uh, walk the moon, uh, but did you get a chance to actually get out there? I actually did. Um, I actually ended up going three days in a row at the end. I usually can handle about two days of Summerfest, but the way it all worked out was uh, somebody at my uh, place of employment had tickets. We got out of work early Friday, and they had tickets uh, that you had to use before four o'clock for free admission. So. Uh, me, Catherine, and her daughter went on Friday. Saturday I got in for free because I was part of the BCW show, which was a huge event down there. And Sunday was a free day for everybody, so we took the family down. So I guess I ended up going more than I usually do. I ended up going three times. So 
You're a party animal. See any, uh, besides BCW, which obviously is a, a great promotion in the Milwaukee area. If you haven't had a chance, they actually were, I didn't get a chance to go down there, but they were in Stoughton, Wisconsin, which is just about Southeast of a little bit below my neck of the woods here in Madison. Uh, but, hey, they'll uh, be in, uh, they'll be in Janesville on the 17th too, by the way. So yeah, maybe I'll make a chance. Maybe I'll try to get down there, but who knows? Uh, we'll see how the, uh, the jet ski, the uh, the kiddos do uh, with that, but but any uh, any bands that you see uh, on uh, on that Friday night? Uh, let's see. We saw a little bit of the Doobie Brothers, a little bit of AWOL Nation, of course, all the fireworks that were going on. Saturday, we ended up seeing Weird Al. I wanted to catch oh. James Addiction. I got overruled, and we ended up seeing the Weird Al show. And Sunday, Top Sensations, um, Smash Mouth with your sugar-coated yes. pop music to end Summerfest. So uh, that's what I ended up checking out down there. Um, and as far as Walk the Moon, are they the – now, correct me if I'm wrong, because Walk the Moon, is, are they the ones who sing that Shut Up and Dance With Me song? Yes, it's the same one oh that my our, God, friend, I, our mutual friend. <laughs> you hate that dude, song, hate, don't you? I hate that song, man. I Every time I turn on the radio, the song is on, and I literally, and I know I, I, I used to hate when people said this when I was on the radio, but I literally want to drive off the road and end all humanity when that song is on, just just for the record. And I have that song on repeat on, on my iPod when I work out, so that's always fun. Oh, no, it's yeah. – <laughs> uh, no, we, we had some uh, – I mean, that might have been one band. I mean, Doobie Brothers, obviously, as a kid, I mean, growing up, uh, my parents, I mean, there's maybe three major bands that I would listen to would be, it was Jimmy Buffett, it was Bob Marley, and then it was also Doobie Brothers, uh, with, with a mix of Tom Petty, I'll say. So maybe, I don't know if that describes my personality at all, but, uh, but yeah, it would have been great to see Doobie Brothers, obviously, and, and I mean, Silverfest always has great great music lined up but uh maybe maybe with the exception of smash mouth i'm not exactly sure uh but uh but as they say hey now you're an all-star so you know it's exactly what you thought they played their four or five radio friendly hits and you know i mean it wasn't bad they weren't terrible they just were what they were i guess i don't know but you know it's like when you go see a movie where the, everything just gets blown up. And then, you know, people who walk away go, you know, that was kind of mindless. Well, that's what you kind of signed up for. So right. the same thing with, I, I kind of knew what we were getting into with Smash Mouth. So I don't walk away disappointed because they did exactly what we thought they were going to do. So. Yeah, no, they, uh, yeah, no, it's true. Now, Weird Al, I would have loved the scene. Uh, Weird Al, I mean, maybe it's maybe. I mean, when I grew older in my teenage years, I grew a fonder appreciation with Bad Hair Day and, and Amish Paradise, and that was kind of the the tape, the cassette tape, not the CD, but the cassette tape that I that I grew to know, and that's when it all began for me uh, with with Weird Al. So it sounds like you had well, a good hate, time, though. I hate to disappoint you because I, from what I'm being told, and I know all these things can change because it is entertainment. But that was Weird Al's last tour, so. Oh, dear. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah that's oh. Word on the Street, so. Oh, good golly. Ah, yeah. Well, uh, yeah, I always have Amish Paradise, but. But, yeah, so, no, I uh, just want to. Uh, 
thank everyone just for, for tuning in. And obviously, it's uh, you guys can follow us at Kilbasa Kings up WI at B5Q. Uh, and uh, you know, it's uh, and like us on Facebook as well. We've gotten some more likes and, and appreciate you guys there. And you know, but we have about seven minutes before Steve Haywood, but you know, let's just jump in real quick and just do some uh, maybe some uh, kind of the reverse of what we normally do in terms of uh, quick hitters. But you know, your, your impression since we missed a, a bunch of stuff. Let, uh, and obviously we still have maybe even towards the end of the show, once we get done with T Steve, we can go in more in depth about Andrew Corliss and Jason Pierre, Paul and CJ Wilson, uh, not doing what every team wants you to do. And that's behave during the NFL uh, dead period. But real quick now let's talk about, uh, Bo let's, let's talk about Bo Ryan announcing that he is leaving Wisconsin after this upcoming season, the 2015, 2016 season. Now, after obviously, the fact that you have Bo Ryan, how many wins he's had, you know, 14 consecutive years, you know, ever since he's been at Wisconsin, never below a fourth place finish in the Big Ten, two mm -hmm. consecutive Final Fours, uh, close eight points away from a national championship team this past season, which was heartbreaking, but obviously this team uh, it was extremely special this past season. Your thoughts on uh, on Bo leaving and uh, and maybe the second part maybe we'll yeah I'll throw this in there too uh, your reaction to him leaving but also future replacements are you looking at Greg Gard or do you think uh, I know Barry said he's going to look elsewhere but do you think I mean personally I think it's Greg Gard that that gets the nod just in continuing with the Wisconsin system uh, possibly I don't think I mean when you talk about well, let's start with Bo leaving. I, Surprised a little, but not completely shocked. And what I mean by that is this. He's not, he's no spring chicken. At some point, the day was going to come, whether it was going to be at the end of this year or the end of the, you know, the start of the 2016, 17 season, you know, or end of that season, I should say. It was, it was, it was coming soon. I mean, you know, he's, he's had a long, long career. And at some point, other than maybe winning a national title, you can, you can say he's pretty much achieved all he's going to achieve at this level because it's going to be a little bit of a rebuild for the next year or two. I still think, obviously, the program's going to stay in the top upper echelon of the Big Ten, but they're probably not a championship team next year or the year after. And, you know, he probably figured, hey, what more can I do? You know, I've done a lot uh, with a team that's that quote-unquote filled with overachievers, but as far as I'm concerned, they had a lot of talent, and this is probably one of the best teams both from a basketball standpoint, a coachability standpoint, and an athletic standpoint that he's ever had at, at Wisconsin. But in the past, his teams have been filled with overachievers and grinders, and he gets the most out of them, and he pushes. And But at some point, we knew it was going to come to an end. So at least he gives them a year, the Badgers a year, to figure out what they're going to do. Now, Greg Gard, that's who Bo would like. It makes a lot of sense. I would say there's a 65% chance that that's who he goes with, okay? So I don't think that that's out of the realm of possibility, but it still is Barry, and Barry's the one who's going to decide. And if Barry decides he wants to go somewhere else, uh, wants to go a little bit more high profile, he may do that. Uh, who knows? Um, I think we'll get a better idea as the season rolls on which way he's going to lean towards it. But, you know, in the end, Bo Ryan's had a great career, Uh both at Wisconsin and, and all of his other stops along the way. And it's, he'll be missed, but if you make a good hire, you make the right hire, Wisconsin's on the map now, so to speak. You know what I mean? So it's not like one of those yeah. programs where like, oh, I don't know if I want to go there. It, there's no doubt about it. it. It's definitely on the map. 
and I don't think you have to ever worry about people not thinking Wisconsin's going to be a team that's going to be competing every year. So I think they'll just continue to build off that momentum. Um, but it's not going to be – it's not like you can just snap your fingers and so – because I certainly don't want to discount all the achievements of Bo Ryan. Just, well, anybody can go do that job. That's not the case. I'm saying if you make the right hire and, and whoever it is you bring in goes through and, and does the things that Bo has done and, and, and obviously has his own touch on it too, I think this team's going to still continue to be, uh, like I said, a top third uh, Big Ten team for as long as I can imagine. Absolutely. And it's one of those things too, that it wasn't a surprise and like for some people that realize it too. And I had had a chance briefly to talk with our, our good buddy, Marcus Pfaff over at the uh, 95.3, the score up in, up in Appleton that day that it happened, it was kind of a whirlwind and you, you know, you heard about it, but there's some rumors that were talking the night before some no name businessman, some banker from Indianapolis that his sources had told them that bull Ryan was retiring due to, health reasons and uh if you uh, granted you guys can't see me because this is a podcast but i am doing the quotations like chris farley used to on one of his snl skets and it's one of those things that we as a for bucky's fifth quarter we kind of looked around and we kind of talked about and we said as eh, you know this this might be something this might you know this might not be obviously this is a banker we looked at the source i mean and it wasn't anything that was credible but then you know like once that was kind of planning ahead if you we were expecting some sort of response or some sort of clarification and that's when that's when we got it from from the wisconsin badger saying that he will coach his last uh this will be his final year as a wisconsin badgers head coach and so uh but yeah i think greg guard i mean this guy is a he's been bo ryan's uh, i believe it's associate head coach lead scouty scouter uh head lead recruiter for the badgers uh on the court coach and just what he's done. And, and you just hear, like you've heard uh, on various other media, Brian Butch talk about how much he loves Greg guard, Jordan Taylor. And, and the list goes on about the former Badgers that really want, you know, that really support guard and in his time. And, you know, there's been talk about him even before like being a finalist for the UW green Bay job uh, among others. And, I mean, this would be his time. But then again, you have a guy like Tony Bennett from Virginia who obviously they just reworked his contract to make it a little bit yeah, of a God, I hope that, I hope that's higher. Oh, my God. I don't – you know, I know he's been successful, but my my goodness, I don't need to see basketball set back 45 years again. I'm I'm good. You know what? We lived through Dick Sr. and he did have some success. I, I'm good. Uh, I'm, I don't know what else. You're good. I, yeah, I don't. I, I've seen enough of the Bennett's. I'm I'm fine. <laughs> so we'll see. I mean, obviously, you, you have the other Wisconsin names they're talking about. Obviously, I think Shaka Smart's a, a long, long shot. If, uh, just because, I mean, obviously, you're at Texas. Why would you try to leave the? Uh, granted, the Texas athletic director, according to some reports, has maybe been less than favorable. Uh, but you know, and some of the stuff that he's done lately, but, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, unless shock, I really wanted to come home to Madison. He was from the Verona area. Uh, I think he stays in Texas, but then, you know, we'll see how the, I mean, so Wisconsin's a system based basketball program for the men's side. Uh, and he, re- they recruit players to fit the system. We'll see if they go outside the box, outside of guard. Uh, and so it'll be interesting to see what they do with recruiting, but obviously recruiting, uh, you've seen what 
any Badgers team underneath Bo Ryan's done with recruits and uh, made him pretty successful. And we'll see what happens going on this uh, upcoming year with Nigel Hayes, who's on the the U.S. basketball team on the Pan Am Games. Uh, he he's one of the sixteen players that made that uh, made it for that for the Pan Am Games there. And uh, Bronson Koenig, well, those two obviously lead the team this year, but. But yeah, so uh, it's about eight sixteen here, uh, Wisconsin time here on the Kibasa King Sports Extravaganza. Uh, we should have Steve Haywood coming on relatively soon, and yeah, I think we might. I think we might have to call him. Um, so maybe we, if we want, we can take a quick break. Let's bring him aboard because you know he's he's wound up and and he's probably chomp. It's not chomping. Is it champing? Champing at the bit? I I never understood chomping, chomping. chomping. Yeah. Okay. So I'm uh, sure he's not, not Chopin, which is yeah. It's not Chopin, which is spelled like chopping, but it is uh, yeah. yeah, chomping at the bit. But uh, yeah, let's take a quick break. We'll give Stevie a call and uh, go from there. Talk. Obviously, there's a, by the way some breaking news. Uh, granted, it was reported a little bit earlier, but official from the Bucks uh, as of seven minutes ago, Zaza Pachulia, uh, center pa- Zaza Pachulia, is traded to the Dallas Mavericks for a future second round draft pick uh, and the guy that averaged 8.8.3 points 6.8 right rebounds in uh, almost two and a half assists a game and so uh best trails to him i know that a lot of i think ted davis said on twitter that uh, zaza was a very uh one of the one of the good guys uh of the league and and best of luck to zaza and he was this season he was really fun to watch but uh, on that note, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll talk. We'll talk more about that because I think it's a good fit for Dallas, especially after losing out on Jordan, and of course with the Bucks acquiring Monroe, uh, a little bit more expendable. But let's uh, let's take the break because I know Steve's going to want to. I'll tell you what, man. We're going to talk stadium. We're going to talk Bucks. We're going to talk NBA. There's probably going to be some some social, economical, political, you name it. I mean, I'm telling you, Steve's ready to. We're going to get deep. This is, this is our three anniversary show. We're, we're, we're going deep. This is uh, it's the only way we know how to do it. So, guys, stick around. This is the Kielbasa King Sports Extravaganza brought to you by Bucky's Fifth Quarter.
Hey guys, this is Jake Kuba Kutzerowski, that's part of the tag team, one half of that tag team known as the Kielbasa King Sports Extravaganza. Just wanted to thank you guys all for tuning in. Make sure you guys check out Bucky'sFitzQuarter.com, great SB Nation site dedicated to all your Wisconsin Badgers news, notes, and discussion. Once again, check out Bucky'sFitzQuarter.com, also on Twitter, at B5Q. Doza Bacchenia, my friends. everybody, welcome back to the three-year anniversary show of the Kielbasa King Sports Extravaganza. Of course, brought to you by Bucky's Fifth Quarter. Make sure you guys talk, go to Bucky's Fifth Quarter for all your Badgers news and notes. And, and uh, we have our friends over at Brew Hoop, too, that uh, the cover of Bucks. But we actually have one of our really good friends on from the show. Scotty and, and Steve are very tight back from their days at ESPN Milwaukee. And obviously from ESPN Milwaukee, uh, ESPNWisconsin.com. We got Steve Haywood on, Bucks Insider, good friend of the show. How are you, my friend? I'm doing fine, fellas. How are you doing tonight? Uh, you know what? We're doing well. It's our three-year anniversary show. We haven't been on for a while. We've had a few weeks Congratulations off. on three years, though. Yeah, Still well, and me. you know what? We couldn't think of uh, anybody who would have been our better signature guest to help us with our three-year anniversary than you, so... Well, I'm humbled and honored. Thank you. appreciate that. Okay, so let's get into it because we talked the other day, and, and uh, there's so much brewing um, on the court, off the court with the Bucks. Um, why don't we start with the on the court stuff first, and then we can get into the, the, the white elephant in the room, which is, of course, the arena deal. So starting with the Bucks, they, we got their signings, Middleton and Monroe. They just made a trade today, trading Zaza Pachulia, the draft pick, and Vaughn. All those topics are in play. How, let's start with the draft. What was the thought process? I know they passed on Sam Decker, but I've been told Sam Decker didn't want to be in Wisconsin anyway, so it was probably a smart move to pass on him. Vaughn's a kid who's got a lot of upside, but he's young. Your thoughts on the, on the draft and how that process took place? Well, the way it worked out ending up getting Vaughn was simple. There was a possibility, because free agency was after the draft, that you could have lost Chris Middleton to an outrageous contract of somebody else being a restricted free agent. Now, within the context of the budget, I thought the Bucks would go between no more than $12 million, but at least 10 And it went a little bit above the 12 which I guess would make sense considering that the TV revenues and the new contract, uh, the new contract, is for, the cap is for 70 this year, and it's expected to jump to about 85 or 90 next year. That's why you're seeing a lot of veterans that are established in the league, like Dwayne Wade and others, taking one- or two-year contracts with a player option on the second year so they can come back and cash in next season. Now, that being said, you look at what the Bucks did from the time they finished and losing game six and getting blown out by the Bulls and the Bradley Center. Look at where they went and the direction they went in. They moved Brandon Knight at the All-Star break, effectively for Michael Carter-Williams, and that was the principal point of the trade, even though they got Ennis and Plumlee. And uh, I don't know what you want to say, the good Plumlee or the bad Plumlee, but one of the Plumlee brothers, okay? Bottom line is this. They got younger, they got a little bit more athletic, and they got a little bit more size. You look at what they have now, 
if they trot out the starting five that I project them to start out, it's going to be 6'5", 6'7", 6'11", 6'9", and 6'10". Okay, that's Greg Monroe, that's Jabari Parker, depending on how he comes back from his knee injury, and say he doesn't start the season, then you start with John Henson, who's six, seven foot, and then you move Monroe to the four spot as he played with Drummond in Detroit. And then obviously you've got Giannis at 6'11 at the three, and of course you have um, Middleton at the two with Michael Carter-Williams at the one with the O.J. Mayo slash Vaughn slash, depending on if Jabari Parker's ready, either Henson or Jabari Parker coming off the bench with Plumlee and Ennis. So the dynamic of the team is Jason Kidd told me early last year in his coaching tenure that his thing was to counterpunch. And if you know the fighting analogy, what that means is whatever you do, I'm going to respond to it and go the opposite direction. So if you go big, I'm going to go fast and I'm going to go small. If you go small, I'm going to go big and I'm going to go physical. And it worked out for them to get to 500 because he had a lot of dynamics that he used and some dynamics that he really didn't utilize until the end of the season. In particular, John Henson becoming a rim protector and a presence on the defensive end for the Bucks. So they just traded Zaza Pachulia for a second-round draft pick. You've got O'Brien will be in his second year, and I already mentioned Plumlee. So you've got a youthful, dynamic team with not a lot of veterans in terms of old, saged veterans, but a young basketball team that's going to probably average about 26 years of 24 to 26 years of age with the pillars and the principal guys being a 20-year-old Jamari Parker and a 20-year-old Giannis Antetokounmpo. Now, real quick, I love the dynamic. I love the length. I love the athleticism. I love the direction the Bucks are, do, are going. That being said, do you feel that the, la- the we, they have young veterans, as you mentioned, but when I say veteran leadership, specifically I'm talking about guys who have won a playoff series and, and guys who have, you know, have the pelts on the wall, not necessarily championships, but guys who have made deep runs. Now, is that something they could still acquire? You think maybe as you get into the season and say you're fighting for a four seed or whatever, maybe you can go acquire a veteran who's been there before with an expiring contract? Is that something you see as, as a, still an option? Maybe they don't need it to start the season, but somewhere down the road they might need a player like that? Well, obviously one of the things you're doing in a leaving of leaving yourself as as opportunity is acquiring a second-round draft pick. So that can come into play if you decide, for whatever reason, the chemistry isn't working with the guys you have on board, or you do need a specific dynamic met. Because let's face it, that was a ridiculously huge gamble they took with a borderline all-star like Brandon Knight having a career year last year and trading him with a team that was playing very well. And it took him about 10 games to make the adjustment with Michael Carter-Williams, first of all, for him to stay healthy, and then second of all, for him to have an impact. But as it turned out, it worked out. So, yeah, we don't have that very stackhouse veteran. We don't have that veteran that's like Cleveland had Sean Marion and Kendrick Perkins and Mike Miller and James Jones. I mean, these are guys that all four of those guys have won chips. All four of those guys have been to playoff wars multiple times. Even Golden State, 
with their success, did not have a dynamic of a real sage veteran that had been through a lot of playoff wars. The guys that had been through their playoff wars, wars were their young players, were Steph Curry and, and Clay Thompson, Andre Iguodala to a certain extent, but Andre Iguodala's played on some subpar teams, so that was probably his first real experience in the last couple of years. Harrison Barnes. So the model that you want to use if you're going to follow and copy the leaders of success is the model that's being presented by a Golden State Warriors. You know, that kind of model where your youth, as it learns and gets experience, becomes your veterans. Chris Middleton now, fourth year in the league, gets his contract and recruits, you know, a guy like Greg Monroe, who's another veteran, to come to Milwaukee over Los Angeles and New York. That means to me, knowing the way the NBA operates, that there's things that are being said amongst the players about Milwaukee that are not just positive, but encouraging. Because that means that Milwaukee is becoming a destination spot because of what they look like they potentially will be and the atmosphere that they're building. The ownership, the management, the coaching, all of it combined is clearly convincing some people that this is a place you want to be a part of. Well, no doubt, and Jake, I know we're going to get you involved in this, but this is a perfect segue because you say Milwaukee could be a destination city or is Las Vegas the destination city? Uh, well, we can't, we'll, we'll have that conversation, absolutely. Well, we can't, and we can't ignore this anymore because we, Jake and I, and, and you and I, and everybody has talked about why this is important for the state and and we'll start with the positives, why should this should be done, then we'll talk about if it's going to be done, and then we'll talk about why people who are against it don't want it to be done. So let's start with the, 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 the cherry on the, the, the Sunday, so to speak. This needs to be done. We've talked about why. Steve, why does this building need to be built for the state? Well, I think it's rather simple. If you look at it on three tiers, you look at it from a community standpoint, a socioeconomic standpoint, and then just a flat-out business standpoint, we need this facility because it's not just an arena. I don't know if you've been paying attention to the imagery and the optics as of recently, but it's starting to hear the language being utilized in the media and people talking about this project to change the complex. So, for example... Maybe you can't stand the NBA. Maybe you have no use for Marquette. That's fine. But if you want to see your favorite concert, if you want to come down for a convention that maybe we wouldn't have had in town earlier, if you want to go and see the tractor pulls and the bike, you know, the motorcycle runs, and maybe a frontline play, that does arenas, or a concert that does arenas only and not theaters. That's what sure. this facility is about. Out of 365 days in a year, I think over the last five years, the Bradley Center has hosted or been involved in terms of being open for an event 265 days. Okay, 265 days out of 365. And I think I'm being a little short on that. It could be more. That being said, that's 265 opportunities to generate revenue, which generates taxes, 
which will pay for the things if you're not a fan of an arena that you want to have, if you're a fan of the arts, if you're a fan of having um, infrastructure built, if you're a fan of schools, not a fan, but someone that supports these activities, even if you don't believe in any any taxation whatsoever, that means money will be going into the coffers that can be returned to your pockets. So from a business standpoint, you have to look at it like that. From a socioeconomic standpoint, Milwaukee, from a reputation standpoint, is one of the handful of teams in the United States that has three of the four major sports. We don't have all four, but we have three of the four. And there's not a lot of them that do. I mean, if you go down the list, you can go down the list and look at Buffalo. You can look at St. Louis. You can look at Orlando. You can look at, um, at um, Atlanta. Atlanta has three of the four major sports. Like Kansas, you can look at Cleveland, Kansas, Kansas City, you can Seattle. You can look at a number. Yeah, you can look at a number of communities that don't have access to three of the four major sports as we do in in the state of Wisconsin. Now the Packers are a statewide, worldwide team. I get that. They've been that way for a long time. Now the Brewers, you can say, are somewhat of a statewide team, but mm-hmm. because they built Miller Park and somebody had the foresight to put a roof on it, you know for a fact, unless there's something that happens that is out of control in terms of whether or man-made, and even whether it would have to be some cataclysmic, you're going to get 81 home dates, and you're going to be there for 81 home games, no matter what. Same thing with the Bucks. You're going to get 41 home dates minus the preseason game, minus the potential of playoff games. So, from a socioeconomic standpoint, it's reputation in terms of money that's generated in the community. You can build a team store. You can build a restaurant. It gives you an identity within the community from, a, from like I said, a socioeconomic standpoint where people are making money and you identify with the brand. If you go to China, if you go to Italy, if you go to Hawaii, and you have that Bucks logo on, people know that's Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And then there's the community aspect, the sense of pride in the community. Look, the Golden State Warriors just won a championship for the first time in 45 years. Now, technically, that team is in Oakland, but it is revered as a regional team for the Bay Area, so San Francisco slash Oakland. That gives them a community experience that they've enjoyed over the last couple of years in terms of their success that you can't duplicate anyplace else. That means that if I'm from the north side of Milwaukee and Scotty Wazinski's from the south side of Milwaukee and we can come together in a community experience and have a common interest as in cheering the Milwaukee Bucks, that's good for our community because it creates a lot of different things. It can create a dialogue. It can create a whole bunch of environments in which people do business that maybe wouldn't do business with each other until they find out, hey, you're a Bucks fan? Man, I didn't know that. I'm a Bucks fan too. It can be as minor as two guys that work with each other that had no clue that they were Bucks fans, and it can be as major as a corporation who brings in a bunch of young executives or young business people 
or just the business in general and saying, wow, this is something that we need to have so our business asset that will attract the biggest and the brightest into our business. So the community experience of getting, in the case of the Bradley Center, 18,717 together when a team is successful. And even when the team was bad, to get nine or 10,000 people together was and is huge for a community. And last but not least, I'll just throw it in there real quick. It's not a fourth category, but it's kind of a combination of all of them. Look at Miller Park and look at what Miller Park did for West Milwaukee and the Southwest corridor of the city of Milwaukee and the, and the villages in Milwaukee County. All you, you need to do, there used to be two stores there, the IHOP and the McDonald's. And then there was a two lane street that didn't even go all the way through, if I remember correctly, that went from National to Lincoln to the post office. Now you go through that corridor and that economic district that was created following the building of Miller Park and outside of a major retail shopping mall, you have everything in that economic corridor in terms of convenience, in terms of living or ability to live, in terms of condos, apartments, anything and everything you can imagine exists there. And that doesn't exist without the building of Miller Park. I'm not saying that it's the sole reason that that district came alive and came to fruition. But the bottom line is Rex North had left that area that area was economically depressed back in the late 80s and early 90s, and now it's so hot that the village of West Alice has for years been trying to annex West Milwaukee into their village so they can get some of the revenue that's being generated by the taxes on that district. So it's a number of different things that potentially can happen that are good, that are not just good, great. You're building high-rises in downtown Milwaukee. You're kind of redeveloping the north side of downtown Milwaukee. And you're trying to bring back and revitalize downtown Milwaukee. All those things would be helped by having a state-of-the-art facility that has multiple things going on a year-round basis, from an amphitheater that holds three to 4,000 people to a restaurant to a tune store that's year-round. All that stuff would be of huge benefit. Here with Steve Haywood from 540 ESPN Milwaukee, uh, ESPN Wisconsin as well. And Steve, you know, it's, it's one thing I, I'm out here in Madison. There are, there are Bucks fans out here. And, and you know, and though, you know, Scotty and I, you know, have been in media. I mean, obviously growing up in, Mo- in Milwaukee and, and watching the Bucks games and going to Bucks games uh, and knowing how entrenched the Bucks have been, since they, you know, in the community, since they, uh, you know, since they've been uh, 1968. Exactly. Yep, 1968. Exactly. My, you know, I remember my, my parents watching the Don Nelson, you know, Don Nelson in the eighties and, and me going, and granted it was the, the rougher years after, uh, her, you know, after Senator Cole bought the team and I would go during, you know, for Cub Scouts and whatnot. So I, I mean, I, but I always, oh, there's an affection I have for the bucks. Uh, and, and it's just, you know, you look out here in Madison and obviously, 
the with the government and not we're not trying to get too political in terms of this but you know obviously the, the cuts to uw madison uh, as i'm an alum too was rough and some people are trying to equate the two stories together where even politifact had a, a story about uh had equated it half true back in february about how walker wants to take you know basically cut funds and then use that to build a stadium, which it, it seems to me it's like two separate issues, right? I mean, it, there's no – the way the state government's working is that there there's no way that they're going to undo those budget cuts based off of who's in office right now. And some people are thinking it's, it's an either-or. I mean, it's not, correct? It, it, am, I, am I talking weird? Am I talking odd out of that? Or is that – I mean – No, see, here's like, the dilemma. Here's the dilemma. We can let them leave. We cannot hit this deadline. And the league has put an edict out there. The league put contractual language that the right. ownership group would buy the team back. The NBA would buy the team back from the ownership group and relocate it to either Seattle or Las Vegas. And I have reliable information that it will be Las Vegas. Okay, that's one of the reasons that Adam Silver had the speech he had about paramutual betting in Las Vegas on sports teams because they're greasing the skids to get ready to put not just a NBA franchise, but an NHL franchise in Las Vegas. Okay. They're building a 22,000 seat facility right on the strip. I haven't been out to the strip for a couple of years, but from what I understand, they're building it right on the strip. They're not building it just for conventions. And you look at what's happening with these college postseason tournaments and some of these preseason tournaments that are being held at the MGM Grand and the Mandalay Bay, although they are facilities that can hold up to 15,000, 16,000, they're not sports and entertainment arenas that are specifically designed for professional sports franchises. And there's only one team, if you look around the NBA, that is in economic distress because they don't even have a facility on board or they don't have a facility in the process of being either um, renovated or built. And that's the Milwaukee Bucks. Once the Sacramento Kings got theirs done and shoveled the dirt, the only team left the Milwaukee Bucks. And like I said, if there wasn't such a viable entity, Seattle wouldn't be buying for a team because they lost one approximately six, seven years ago around the time of Hurricane, or 10 years ago now, around the time of Hurricane Katrina. Because guess what? They are yearning to get a team back in Seattle. And I didn't even bother to mention Kansas City, which has a facility online already in the MCI Center, which has revitalized a district in their community. So for every critic out there that wants to say there's no statistical data to support that building a facility pumps economic money economic strength into a community all i say is you may be able to make those numbers work that way and i believe that may be true in some instances but all you got to do is look at the eye test look at what they did with los angeles when they built the staples center and the kodak theater in an area of downtown that was nothing that was barren that was the equivalent in a lot of ways of the near north side of downtown milwaukee now it's a viable economic district that's one of the hottest districts, not just in California, but in the country. Look at what they did in Cleveland. 
after they lost the Browns and realized what a viable community and economic asset they were. They hated the owner that much that they let him get away. But the NFL chartered them a franchise, you know, four or five years later, and then they built the facility, state of the art, and then everything else came on board with it. They moved, they moved the cast back from the suburbs. The days of white flight where all these facilities were built out in suburbs like Landover, Maryland. The only one that I can think of off the top of my head now that's still out in the sticks is Auburn Hills. But the days of Pontiac and Auburn Hills and Landover, Maryland and Richfield, Ohio, those days are over. People are back in urban areas, revitalizing urban areas. Look at what they did for Detroit in talking about moving the Lions back from Pontiac into downtown Detroit and building not one facility for football, but a second facility for baseball right next door to it. And a lot of people don't know this, but if you've never been to Ford Field, Ford Field is a year-round viable community in terms of they have a mall inside of Ford Field. When I was there and took the tour back in 2001, I don't know if they followed through with this or not, they were putting a six-story hotel in Ford Field because it was a former warehouse where all that space has not just been dedicated to that facility. So you look at all these things, like I said, Cleveland is my ultimate example because they built the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame downtown. They built brand new facilities for football, baseball, and basketball in the Quicken Loans Arena. And then they built the other thing that we don't like to talk about, that dirty little word, casino, right downtown in Cleveland. And now that area is thriving. So some things for me are not a matter of statistics. They're a matter of passing eye cuts. Do I think dollars will get out? Absolutely. But a lot of dollars are going to stay in. You want to revitalize Wisconsin Avenue? This is as close as you can get to Wisconsin Avenue? Guess what? That may happen. You may be able to save the Grand Avenue Mall if you can build a facility just like they're doing in Minneapolis. Minneapolis is going to have three facilities within a mile of each other. And it's, it's going to revitalize that entire area. It's not just a standalone facility anymore that you build. You build a facility that has different amenities that you can enjoy as a spectator well, or you can utilize as a business. Well, and, and Steve, a couple of things that, that are just common, that are fact, whether people like to hear it or, or not, you know, don't let the facts get in the way of a good argument. $20 million will be lost in tax money alone just on what NBA players and employees pay in, in income tax to the state. If, unlike Cleveland, unlike Los Angeles, if the Bucks leave, there won't be another NBA team. Even if we came to our senses five years from now, you're at the back of the list behind Seattle, Kansas City, perhaps London. There will not be another NBA team. It will not happen. For those people who say, well, let the NBA leave and bring the NHL in, People who say that are stupid because the NHL, that building, that building isn't equipped to hold an, it's not up to NHL standards anymore. It was in 1987. It isn't now. So you still have to build a building and people still keep bringing up this ridiculousness and you know what it's rooted in and we'll talk about that if we want later. But the bottom line is this team, when it goes, tax money goes, economic development goes, and people can't get it through their heads, Steven. I know you understand this. 
as much as people want to hate the city of Milwaukee, and as much as people in Rhinelander have this bad impression of Milwaukee because of what they see in the media, when your biggest city fails, the state fails. When Detroit failed, Michigan failed. And, and, and people in Lansing and people in Grand Rapids said, oh, the hell with Detroit, let it fail, and Michigan fell right behind it. So you can live in your little cocoon in La Crosse or Wapaka, but with Milwaukee fails, the state fails, period. I couldn't say it any better than you did, Scotty, because the reality is simply this. You look around, and like you said, Milwaukee – got this franchise in 1968. Now, you look around, there hasn't been a lot of movement in the NBA. There hasn't been expansion. There hasn't been a lot of movement. And look at the teams that have moved. The Charlotte team moved to New Orleans, and they hurry up and got a team back in, in, in the North Carolina area. Because it was, uh, remember how hot that market was, we almost lost our baseball team to it. Okay? So the NBA wanted to be in that market, but once again, that was an ownership issue. And then I've already mentioned what's happened in Seattle and what they're trying to do. The thing in Vancouver was weird because I think Vancouver, because of logistics and being so embedded in a hockey culture, was just not viable to work. But you look around the rest of the NBA and these teams in markets like Utah, San Antonio, Portland, they're thriving. And they are no way in hell Look at what's happened in Memphis. Who would have thought that the NBA in the bed of the South would work in Memphis, Tennessee, the college hotbed of the South, one of the college hotbeds? But it is. So you're right. I think a lot of it has to do with extenuating circumstances. And the other thing, Scotty, is that this is bigger than you, me, or anybody right now. This is... 30 years from now, when our grandkids are running this state or this city or this country, this is part of what you want to leave as a legacy, as Lloyd and Jane Pettit did by building the Bradley Center in which we didn't have to, as taxpayers, come up with anything but infrastructure. A lot of people tend to forget that. Lloyd and Jane Pettit built it for hockey but they built it on their dime. So for all the people that are whining and complaining about this tax, that of like 90% of, not 90, at least 50% of it is being taken on in terms of the burden by the organization, the primary tenant, okay? We're not asking for seating licenses. We're not asking for any of those things of that nature. We're saying, look, you come off this $80 million in a tax that effectively is going to generate a minimum of 419 A minimum. That's just to start with. It may cost a billion dollars when it's all said and done. If you do it the right way and you have all the amenities and everything else, but guess what? You're going to make that back tenfold. You really are. So it's bigger than us. And the reason, like you guys said, people want to put the two things in the same basket is politics. It's politics. Scott Walker was the, remember, he was the county executive down here. And now, you know, 
as I jokingly call him, President Wannabe, he understands that part of his political ambitions is to make sure that his state is in order so people don't call him out and say, how are you going to tell us how you can run businesses and bring businesses when you just lost a major industry in your community in the Milwaukee Bucks? And Scott Walker five years ago wouldn't put $10 million into the Bradley Center for a new air conditioning and heating system. So don't get it twisted in thinking that all of a sudden he's had a change of heart. There's a personal interest in this for him and his party. And as you said, Scotty, you're only as strong as your weakest link. But the way that Milwaukee and southeastern Wisconsin has been portrayed to people that live in the outlying areas, and in some instances, rightfully so, is not a place that they feel is safe. It's not a place that they want to interact with the people that live in this community. Okay, that's fine. But the people in this community, if they are doing well, you're going to do well. Plain and simple. If there's jobs down here, if people are working down here, if the economic structure and things of that nature are working where we're generating revenue and kicking those taxes in, then we all benefit, including the people in Rhinelander, in Eswabanon, okay, in Whippin. We all benefit. So it's a number of things that are layered in terms of political and, you know, racial undertones, I think, to a certain extent, and other things that are involved with this. But we got to get past that because the clock is ticking. When Peter Fagan came out on Monday and said, if they don't get this done by this legislative period or the end of this legislative period, we have to leave. That's not ownership saying that. Nope. That is the NBA documented exactly. confirming that. That is not an option. This is not Bud Seelig threatening to leave. This is the NBA saying as a charter, as one of the franchises under our charter, we will take this franchise, just like they took that franchise away from Sterling as an owner. We will take this franchise and put it up to the highest bidder. And don't think the NBA isn't chopping at the bit to do so. Because if they got $2 billion for the Clippers, imagine what an ownership group would pay for a team in Las Vegas. And I think the other owners as well, don't forget, Jake. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, it, so, it's one of those things too. There's a number of different elements going on here, but the reality is this the clock is ticking, and you got to be bigger than the moment. Look, I don't like paying taxes on certain things that I don't utilize. My kids didn't go to public school, they went to private school. But I believe that it's important that public schools are funded properly so the kids can learn, okay? I'm not jumping up and down to pay taxes on certain things in terms of businesses catching breaks that are profitable. But I'm smart enough to understand that if that's what it takes to keep a business viable, or more importantly, keep a business working within the context of our state, our city, if that's what it takes, then so be it. I mean, there's a number of different things that I don't like paying taxes on. And I'm not really jumping up and down about this tax. But from a professional and a personal standpoint, I'm smart enough to know the economic impact and the socioeconomic and community aspect that we have in disfranchise and the possibility 
of building the sports and entertainment complex. All right. And I mean, the only thing, I mean, yeah, the tax, it's a dollar 28 per year. That's, that's the statistic that's been thrown yeah. out there. You know, that's what, and that's what we're fighting about. That's the civil war where it's starting is over a buck 28 a year. Are, are you, are you right. kidding me? Right. Now? Well, you know, and people talk well, about got, taxes and, Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Steve. You, you got, you got people, for example, common ground, who's a grassroots community organization. And I respect them because their agenda is simple. They're trying to get certain things built and taken care of. For example, in inner cities, upgrades to playgrounds, places where kids can play. And as we're seeing with the recent strain of violence, we need those places that kids can go that are safe and healthy environments to play, to learn how to socially interact without using violence, all those things. But at the same time, we don't need them blackmailing people. The Milwaukee Bucks are not the only tenant that's going to utilize this facility, although they'll be the primary tenant. There's a number of different people that will capitalize on having this. Marquette University, the top of my head. And the Milwaukee Admirals, you know, from the standpoint of they're going to eventually tear the Bradley Center down, okay? The Milwaukee Admirals, Sarah Kerr, John Greenberg, they're going to benefit from having this. So there's a number of different entities in terms of people in the community that will capitalize from having the sports and entertainment complex outside of the Milwaukee Bucks. But Common Ground has come in, and without even really saying that they're willing to work with the people involved with this, because the Milwaukee Bucks, as an organization, are not dictating what you can do with the tax money or what you can't do with the tax money. Those are the politicians. But instead of going after the politicians, they have decided to come after the Milwaukee Bucks, the ownership group of the Milwaukee Bucks. It's a good tactic in a way because you understand that part of their deal is they need to work with all entities so they can get this done and smooth the transition as possible. But at the same time, you're taking a high risk of blowing it. And then Common Ground, which is a national group, not just a local group, they move on. We don't get that tax revenue then there's no chance of getting those new fields. There's no chance of getting those stadiums for the youth football and basketball teams because there's no revenue to come in to help with that. Right. Right. Yep. And, and, and it's not just the jobs at the, at the new arena and the, the, uh, the surrounding areas, too. It's the construction jobs that would have been gained because they were going to use or are going to use uh, mostly Wisconsin contractors and Wisconsin products will be sold in that building. So those are all things that get lost. A couple of quick things, too. You talked about things that we don't get to choose, uh, where we pay tax on. We didn't get to choose a convention center, and they built it too small. We don't get to choose exactly. on this. We don't get to choose on this train that Mayor Barrett wants that's going to take people to a downtown that's going to be desolate if the Bucks leave. We don't get to, to pick and choose a, a lot of these things that were supposedly good for the community that got uh, ramrodded down our throat. This is actually good for the community. And one other thing, and you told me about this, and I did, did some fact-checking. All the money that these new owners, Bucks owners, have invested already in the downtown. They bought real estate. They bought... Uh, places at the Schlitz building. They've expanded their staff by, by threefold. They're investing. They're not just sitting here going, I'm going to make a lot of money and take off. They want to be part of this community, and they've done everything right, and yet they're still being uh, treated like the villains by people who want to be on the opposite end of this political fight, and it drives me up a wall. 
Well, Scotty, you know how it is here in Wisconsin. The Wisconsin sports fan is two things for sure. They're frugal and they're suspicious. So they see these two big city billionaire guys come in at their portfolios and the fact that they've been successful and automatically assume, because they're not like Herb Cole, who's from here, who was raised here, and wanted to do everything within the context of his power to keep things here, that they're carpetbaggers. And they're not. They're just sound, smart businessmen. And as you pointed out, look at the economics, look at the commitment they've made already without a guarantee that they'll be able to keep the franchise here in Milwaukee. Okay? Look at just uh, All you got to do is look at the Bucks. The Bucks have went from, I think it was somewhere around 60 employees to almost 200. And a lot of those have been in sales, marketing, and enhancing the in-game experience for fans in general. Okay, now they're starting to put a winning product on the floor. A, a winning product that's entertaining and it's going to be fun and people and young people that we can relate to. Just like you're seeing in other markets around the NBA and other professional sports franchises. And I understand we're blinded by the green and gold. The green and gold is the end-all be-all. I get that. But there's more to life than the Packers. And even if you're not a fan of basketball, or you're not a fan of pro basketball, or you're not a fan of the Milwaukee Bucks, or you're not a fan of these millionaires and billionaires and playing in a playpen that we pay for, guess what? They committed $100 million to this project before they even let the ink dry on the closing papers of buying the franchise. That in itself is a rarity. I know there's some teams out there where owners have built their own facilities, but guess what? If they did that, how are you going to stick your hand out and expect to get um, any type of revenue off of what they built? They should be allowed to keep it outside of the taxes. And we don't want that. We want it both ways. We want them to build it on their dime, and then when they build it on their dime, when they start generating revenues and making money, we want them to give it to us, the taxpayers. And that's, that's just that's silliness. It's not the way business works. And I'm not, I'm not a savant in terms of the math and the numbers, nor am I totally naive in believing that the end-all, be-all is the sports and entertainment complex. But I know we'd be better off with it than we will without it. Right. No, I agree, Steve. And it's one of those things too. People are trying, and there's a lot of misinformation too. Like there, so, you know, with, we give tax breaks to, in the state of Wisconsin to Mercury Marine. We've given tax breaks to Amazon to build their uh, fulfillment centers in in Milwaukee. Yeah. The States, you know, other places, Kohl's, um, they give tax breaks to keep in state. Uh, and, it, and you know, not only that, but people, there's some in- misinformation too, where it comes to, oh, well, the Bucks said that they're going to leave if they don't get the stadium built. And like I said, like you mentioned before, it's not the Bucks saying it; it's part of that contract. And and Scotty and I were part of a pretty fierce debate, maybe it was about two days ago regarding this, where they're saying, oh, this was reported by channel, you know, by by this Wisconsin station. Well, it was wrong because I mean, the NBA, you know, specifically in that language, when the Bucks owners bought the team that if they didn't have that stadium built by 2017 that they 
would buy back the team and then put up a bidding war again for, for, for the franchise. And it just, I mean, to me, Steve, I mean, like I said, it's, it's, it's insane. The amount of misinformation that's, that's out there and people just thinking that, Oh, the taxpayer has to pay all this when the bucks, you know, Senator Cole's putting in money, you have the owners putting in, in part of the money too. And yeah, you know, yeah, there's a bit of the foot of the bill, but look, you at have how local much business, you have local business yeah. people, including my boss, Craig Carmerson at Good Carver Brands, that have a percentage of the team. Now, these people don't throw money down a rat hole, nor are they stupid enough to buy something that they won't see their return come back if it stays. They've got approximately 60 to $70 million off of the minority owners that have been investing in the books over the last couple of years. So if we're talking about, uh, say, it's a, say on the high end, $600 million facility, we've got over 200 and $60 million that were ahead on the front. $260. We're not starting from zero, $260. So the rest of it, we're talking about using a tax that is generated not by people in their pocket in terms of homeowners. Look, Milwaukee's struggling. People are hurting right now. I get that. But we're talking about people that come into town and go to carnivore. We're talking about people that go down to the nightclubs. We're talking about people that go and use rental cars. We're talking about people that stay in the hotels, which they're going to do anyway, okay? But not nearly in the amount of volume if there's nothing here for them to do. And then we have this little bit of a tax that we will implement, that we will grandfather out eventually, that will help to build this facility, and then it will become its own self-sustaining revenue stream, just like Miller Park. Outside yep. of maintenance, Miller Park isn't really costing us anything because they're generating their own revenue with the success of the Milwaukee Brewers. And to be honest, I think the facility's underutilized. They're just starting to use soccer games and yep. what have you in the facility. Yep. Imagine if they can come up with a few more events like summer concerts that you don't want to put in the amphitheater or in the arena or the Bradley Center, like the old days, you know, stuff like that. Maybe more soccer matches, maybe more friendly. You never know. Maybe football. Maybe, you know, you can get some kind of college bowl game or some kind of college preseason game and play at the Miller Park, as they're doing now in Yankee Stadium. And they're doing out on the West at um, the ballpark in San Francisco. Okay, there's a number of different options that are presenting themselves and making themselves available to help Miller Park be even more viable to the community. But like yep. I said, if we want to be short-sighted on the issue and say, you know what, we don't need this, we don't want it, no more taxes, it's the principle, okay, people, let's vote on it. People, talk with your wallet, talk with your feet. Because I guarantee you, a lot of people are rude today that they turn on the news and they see the Milwaukee Bucks packing their stuff up in those trucks and moving to Las Vegas. Well, and, and there's enough flame to go around because we, we talk about politics. You know what? You have, you have Republican uh, uh, senators 
who could care less about Milwaukee, and, and they've made it about that. And some of them are mad at Scott Walker because he's running for president. You have Democrats who are mad at Scott Walker for some of the budget cuts he makes, so they want to oppose him. You've got Scott Walker who's had his fair share of missteps, and you have an absentee landlord, in my opinion, he's sitting here in Milwaukee and Tom Barrett, who may be a nice guy, but let's be honest. The two things, he's finally showed some support, but he was quiet for a long time. His two claim the fame. When he's all said and done, he's going to be the guy who got light rail here, and he's also the guy who got his butt kicked at State Fair. That's what he's known for. That's his legacy after three terms. Is it three terms? Is it four terms already? That's what his legacy is because he's an absentee landlord. And they're all the blame. Like, you can throw all sides of the aisle in this thing because it's a political partisanship headbutting match, and once again, politics gets in the way of, of true progress and what's right for the state and what's right for a community. I agree. I mean, all you got to do is look at your history. When you make a commitment to create something that's in the best interest of everybody in the community, everybody in the region, everybody in the state, and guess what? We all benefit. We all benefit, but when you don't do that, when you decide that to save a few shekels, you'd rather go this route, you will reap what you sow. Mm -hmm. Because as I said, look at Seattle. Seattle's one of the most vibrant communities in all of the United States. They've got a great city, great nightlife, everything you see about them, their imagery, all of that stuff but they don't have an NBA franchise anymore. And they missed that identity. Okay? Look at Cleveland. Look at Cleveland circa 1995. You had dilapidated Cleveland Stadium. Okay, the team was just starting to possibly come back, but they were playing in Richfield, Ohio which is a suburb of Cleveland, and downtown was dying. The biggest thing you could say about Cleveland is Lake Erie. You could set Lake Erie on fire. Now look at it. When they showed it in the NBA Finals, look at the vision, look at the optics, look at the way they presented it. Not only that, because they are fortunate enough, they have one of the best players in this era of basketball that's from the area, he adds to that experience. Okay? So at some point, I'm telling you, we will figure this out, but the problem is, is we don't have a lot of time to figure it out. If we don't have shovel of dirt by October 2017, the bucks are gone. And there's no refuting that. There's nothing to discuss. There's nothing to debate. That is just fact. And then when you look at what they're doing, how would you like to be Seattle when you saw Oklahoma City go to the NBA Finals with Kevin Durant and Westbrook and all those guys, well, remember, when they first got drafted, they were supersonics. Their first season was in Seattle, where they only won 29 games. And then three years later, they were in the NBA Finals in Oklahoma City. You know, they had yeah. to make those people in Seattle sick to their stomach. Do we want to be that? Do we want to see five years down the line a parade on Las Vegas Boulevard for the for the Las Vegas Bucks? And it could happen. And it could happen. And, and you know what? Could. The other thing that could happen is not only will this team 
possibly be successful somewhere else and we'll have that shame over our heads. But you talk about how Cleveland has rebounded. If, if Milwaukee falls apart and they lose this team and the state loses this team, Milwaukee could be the next mistake by the lake. And I don't want to live in a mistake. I look, we live under perceptions and stereotypes as it is. You got people that when they think of Milwaukee, they think of Laverne and Shirley, they think of the five, they think of Bjorn Brock. Yeah. yeah. And that's good, but sometimes that's bad. Yeah. Sometimes that's good, sometimes that's bad. But you also want them to think about, hey, they Bucks play there. Hey, that's where Giannis plays. Yep. You know? You also want them to think about, hey, the Brewers play there. That's where uh, Ryan Braun plays. You know, piques the curiosity of people around the country to say, where's Milwaukee at? Where's Wisconsin at? You know, and, 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 and stimulate the interest of people, not just from a consumer standpoint, but from a client standpoint. Hey, I got a business. I want to expand. I want to go someplace where my people, my workforce can enjoy quality of life. Milwaukee seems nice, nice lakefront. Okay, the weather's a little harsh a, a few months out of the year, but they got Summerfest, they got all these things going on, and they've got the Bucks and the Brewers. And we can drive up and check out a Packer game. Right. Yep. No, I hit it on the head, Steve. It's just... I, I hope people realize that, in my opinion, you build, like I said, Milwaukee is the biggest city in, in Wisconsin. And it you have, and grand people are now leaving leaving the city, but it's it's still the strongest city in Wisconsin. And you build that arena, like you mentioned, you have multiple avenues where multiple sports teams in different parts of the state, it's a, it's a strong structure for sports and entertainment. And I think, I mean, like I said, you, you rebuild Milwaukee, the state only gets bigger. They're already going to get $130 million each year uh, that, 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 you know, that the Bucks contribute to the gross domestic product. It, they're going to get $65 million uh, for the next few years in just the player income tax. It goes up to $10 million uh, in 2019. I mean, there, like I said, it, it doesn't just affect Milwaukee, but, you know, it helps Milwaukee, but it's going to help that state in general. And I just hope people realize that and can put the the, the p- politics aside and, and just you know, they really need i mean it's it's saving the bucks and it's, it's helping save the state too well this isn't a matter i think for citizens anymore this is your elected officials because i think if it goes down to the citizens the minority is always going to be loud they're always going to make the most noise and rightfully so because they're usually ones that are most agitated and animated about something they don't like. They're going to make more noise than most. The majority is usually quiet. They usually say, you know what? In the big scheme of things, it would be smart for us to do that. And that being said, they tend to not be as 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 vocal or as diligent about having it happen. They just assume that you're going to think it's smart, and I think it's smart, so we're going to do it because it's a smart thing to do. And hopefully that's what happens. But there's a chance because politicians, more than anything else, they live to get reelected. And that loud minority can put a lot of weight on people in terms of making you feel uncomfortable about being reelected. Scott Walker's running for president. 
Why is Scott Walker all of a sudden stepped up and said, I will support a brand new facility? When for years, when he got up to Madison, he had no interest in doing so. Not one thin dime to taxes goes to helping the Bucks build a facility. Then all of a sudden, he becomes a presidential candidate. Then all of a sudden, he starts crisscrossing the country. Then all of a sudden, his optics change. And I'm not saying it's just that that made him realize that. I think as governor, he also understands even the way they presented it was awkward, but it was true. It's cheaper to keep her. Because that's money in terms of cuts and all these cuts he wants to do and all this surplus allegedly we have that we really don't have. That's money that he can use to help with those cuts. Justify cutting all this money out of education and areas like that. Yeah. Okay? So that's, 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 I mean, it gets frustrating only in the sense that you think, am I missing something? Am I missing something in terms of, you know, my ability to understand things? Why is it that not just people won't support this endeavor, but are steadfast against it? We want to keep that land barren? We want to, well, the Bradley Center doesn't look that bad. You don't understand the infrastructure of the facility. It was built in 1988. The shelf life of those facilities built in that era is approximately 30 years. Well, guess what, kids? 30 years are coming up. And all you yeah. got to do is look around, not just the NBA, but look around all major professional sports. There are a handful of places that either don't have or are not building a facility. And what are those franchises doing to stay with the Joneses? They're leaving. Look in the NFL. San Diego, one of the most viable markets in the country. They can't get this football stadium built. They're going to L.A. But they won't be alone because it looks like Cronky is going to build a facility in Los Angeles and move the Rams back to L.A. And then you can always look at the Oakland Raiders who are in a facility that was built in the 70s and is being used as a multi-purpose facility for a period of time, which is justified, but now it's not viable economically. And they're going to have to move. Yeah. You look around Major League Baseball, the A's, same problem. They need a facility, baseball only, to stay economically viable. They can't continue to do it with bail and strings and, and smoke and mirrors. They got to have revenue that they can generate from a new facility. And it's, un, it's not like Wrigley Field or Fenway Park, that because of the legacy and the logistics and the communities that they're in, they can renovate those facilities and keep their old school luster and still generate revenue. But even both of those facilities had to upgrade. They had to get modern times in terms of adding technology and adding things, amenities that fans required now in order to get their dollar. 
Exactly. Hey, and like so, I said, you look around the NBA, the only team left that's in this dilemma are the Milwaukee Bucks. They're not going right. to build a new Madison Square Garden, but they renovated Madison Square Garden over three years. They didn't build them a hockey rink out in Long Island. Guess where the Islanders are playing next year? Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. They're moving in. Why? Because even with the history and the tradition and all the people that support that team on that island, that facility was outdated. Steve, real quick, we got just two or three minutes, and then we're, we're literally up against it. So a couple quick hitters. We talked about why it should be built, why people oppose it, but you're just your gut feeling. Is this going to happen? My gut tells me it's going to happen, Scotty, because I refuse to believe that a legislative body that we've elected would allow such an asset to leave this community. And I'm not just talking about local politicians. I'm talking about statewide politicians. And I know there's a lot of politicians that can give two rips about Milwaukee, but in the big scheme of things, they do realize that you are only as strong as your weakest link. And the only way we're going to get stronger is if we have things in this community that make us stronger. And that would be the Milwaukee Bucks and a sports entertainment complex as a huge asset, not just to this community, but to the region and the state. So my gut tells me it's going to get done, but I've seen too many things happen in recent times, especially politicians more concerned about winning elections than following their convictions and doing the right thing. There's not a lot of George P. Techs out there, folks. And if you don't know who George P. Tech is, go back and do your homework. Without George P. Tech, Miller Park and the Brewers aren't here. Okay? Right. Nobody wants to, you know, if anybody should get a plaque, or if anybody should get a statue, it should be George P. Tech. Because without him following his convictions and having the courage to vote against his constituency in a lot of ways, but at the same time, vote his consciousness in terms of the big picture, all that stuff that you enjoy at Miller Park doesn't happen. So I want to believe my gut says yes, but my brain tells me there's a strong possibility no, especially since we're against this timetable. Yeah, no, you're right. Uh, Jake, man, I'll tell you what, I can't think of a better, uh, a better uh, three-year anniversary show. Not only did we go long, but... It was pretty meaty, like we said it was going to be. We knew it was going to get deep, and it did. But it's a big issue, and it probably might be one of the biggest issues as a topic that we've covered since we've been on the air for three years. I mean, I think it has so many far-reaching tentacles, so to speak, and who it affects and how. But, uh, Jake, anything else before we wrap up? No, I mean, it's... It was great, uh, Steve. As always, I mean, it's always great talking to you. You are a plethora of knowledge. You are just a, a walking encyclopedia and 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 resource for all things Bucks uh, and basketball and, and Milwaukee in general uh, and in the state. Uh, and and we always appreciate you having on. Uh, and we'd love to have you down uh, on back down the road, especially with this upcoming season and especially with the votes possibly coming up next week. We'd love to have you back on and talk, my friend. Well, I'm humbled by those comments, and I appreciate that. Look, Scotty will tell you real quick, the rifle will tell you, 
I'm the smartest man that knows nothing in the world of sports. I just regurgitate some information from time to time. But, yeah, I definitely, you guys will be one of the first I expect to hear from, depending on now that the Bucks have done their free agency moves, most of their trades, and have kind of locked their team up, there really isn't going to be any basketball-related entities until the beginning of September. So now it is about the process of getting this facility signed off on so they can start looking at designs and start looking at shovel the dirt. And we need to stay updated. I'll do the best I can in terms of keeping information fresh and viable. All I am is a phone call away, fellas, and I'm there for you. Excellent. Steve, thank you so much. Guys, it's Steve Haywood from 540 ESPN Milwaukee, ESPN Wisconsin, and ESPNWisconsin.com. And we're going to come back. We're going to take one quick break, come back, wrap up our three-year anniversary show. Uh, This is the Kilbasa King Sports Extravaganza brought to you by Bucky's Fifth Quarter.
guys, this is Jake Kuba Kutserowski, that's part of the tag team, one half of that tag team known as the Kielbasa King Sports Extravaganza. Just wanted to thank you guys all for tuning in. Make sure you guys check out Bucky'sFifthQuarter.com, great SB Nation site dedicated to all your Wisconsin Badgers news, notes, and discussion. Once again, check out Bucky'sFifthQuarter.com, also on Twitter, at B5Q. Dozabachenya, my friends. everybody welcome back uh thank you guys for waiting thank you guys for listening to us for three years uh some stats thrown out there in the two years that we've been with bucky's fifth quarter 151,000 listens thank you also obviously even before that uh with our independent podcast for the first year it was amazing so thank you guys and uh, a couple quick things i mean these are call outs if you guys want to i mean you guys if you guys are support the arena or even just learn more information about it about what's going on if you're not that big of a fan it does affect madison it does affect green bay it does affect eau claire and wausau and hudson and lacrosse and superior and we and kenosha uh, in Prairie du Chien in the southwest part of the state, it this this does affect the entire state in terms of revenue. It does affect it in in terms of just the economic growth of the city of Milwaukee, but also the state. Uh, go to saveourbucks.com, and that's where you can go to kind of talk. They give great updates on that site about just who to call, how to call is the biggest thing. And I made actually a call, to Scotty. I don't know, I forgot to tell you this. I made a call to. Uh, the, uh, a general, you know, to my senator, uh, Fred Risser, who's kind of on the fence as well, Democrat out of Madison, and I, I let them know via voicemail that I support the Bucks Arena. And guys, you guys should do that too. There are plenty of undecideds there. If you guys want this arena there, please do so. Please call and, and make your voice heard. That's all. I mean, they listen to the representatives, and if you can call and voice your opinion, that is what's going to help possibly sway the representatives, but also just let your voice be heard and they can let you, there's, you know, they'll know that, that those, I mean, there is support here. And so uh, go, I would say make that happen. And, and then like I said, go to save our bucks.com. And also, like I said, call your state senators. It's, it's the best thing you can do. Yeah. Agreed. I feel like we've just hosted a telethon, man. I, next, next week, I'm hoping it's next week or within 10 days of this show, we'll be back on a regular schedule. We do, we can talk Packers. We can talk Brewers. The All-Star game will have come and gone. Um, you know, we'll be more sports-centric, not just Bucks. but as we mentioned, this was a huge issue, and it was something that needed to be talked about. Talk about Badger football, which is right around the corner. There's a lot of things happening, uh, but this show obviously was dominated by basketball and Bucks talk, little Bull Ryan and a lot of Bucks, but... Those are the stories that are that are on top of mind, and you know, it, it it doesn't make any sense to cut it short when you know Steve was on a roll and we had some great great discussion and things like that. But don't, we haven't given up on the, the sports that you know the footballs and the baseballs and that sort of thing. So uh, who knows? Maybe when we meet again, uh, the Brewers trade that uh, trade talks will have heated up. Who knows? I'm hearing there's a trade possibility with Minnesota. I'm hearing that Arcia could be involved. Not the Brewers Arcia, but his brother, who's a Twins outfield prospect. So we'll see. We'll talk about all that. But, man, three years. I, I still remember the first show. 
I still remember wondering how we were going to sound and, and how we were going to mesh and how long we were going to do this. And we've come a long way. We've had some rough times the last few months with schedules and life and everything, but we need this. Like we need to do this uh, as weekly as possible. And, uh, Hopefully we'll be here next year talking about our fourth year and and who knows where we'll be and what the sports world turning will will bring us. So uh, that's all I got, man. I it's, again, thanks. It's it's always fun. It's been a great three years, and and I'm looking for at least three more. So. Oh, absolutely. So same here. And uh, now with football coming back and, and just uh, the, the, the twins uh, finally getting a, a good, a better sleep schedule and some things worked out in between work and, and life and, and a, a project that I'm working on on the side that uh, hopefully if things go well, I can talk a lot about a little bit more in detail down the road. If, uh, if things start going the way it should, based on who we're talking to, uh, we're, we're right now, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously right now we're, I have a lot more, uh, basically my schedule is a lot clearer or a lot more, I would say concise in terms of what needs to be done each day. So we will make sure that we, especially with football season coming up, get the football previews, position previews, uh, for both Packers and Badgers, talk some brewers with trade deadline bucks. Obviously it's a big thing. Summer league, free agency, the trades, the arena, of course, is the, the the big discussion, and we'll see what happens there. But, no, it will be coming back next week for sure, talking more. Uh, and, and, guys, like I said, thanks for coming along for the ride. We've had a lot of fun. And uh, hopefully we'll get some more uh, some more guests on coming up in the coming weeks. Doza Bacenia, my friends, and we will see you guys soon. Take care, guys. Accordion solo, American Polka, played by Mr. John J. Kimball, Edison Records. (laughs) ¶¶ 